I would so have loved to have been on the Revere Derby for the 4-4, but it wasn't my game, so somebody else got the pleasure of that. Karajuri, into Egger, not away from the Oh, what a stylish! How about that? Tilo Kera, holding it on with it quickly, and Schalke, He scored earlier and is clearly in the mode this afternoon here in Augsburg. There's that song we all know and love. Blau und Weiß, sein Leben lang. Hallo, meine Leute. Wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf English. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, and get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. As always, joining me on the show, co-host Jack Mangan. How are we doing, Jack? Pretty well, Richard, and I, I believe you are as well. Uh, Schalke did not make us wait until the final match day of the season to get themselves sorted out. Uh, we have officially qualified for the Champions League. We're back, baby. We and uh, we've also locked up a second place finish, which means we will finish the season ahead of Dortmund. So it is a double victory for us. And I think we're both. Yeah, you go. Give the applause. I think we're both pretty happy right now. Absolutely. This is uh, definitely a great, great uh, day to be a Shaka fan. Because not only did we get Champions League back, we're back, baby. Um, but also we are ahead of Dortmund. And how can it get any better than that, right? Now, I guess if we beat Bayern and we'll finish first. But next season, maybe. Right. Um, so in this podcast, uh, we it's it's a very special podcast. Obviously, we're going to go and talk about the the game that was against uh, Augsburg, but uh, also uh, stay tuned for the second part of the podcast where we interview Bundesliga commentator Phil Bonney. Uh, we had a had a great time talking with him, so uh, make sure you stay tuned for that and and give a listen to that. Um, Absolutely, Jack. Uh, hey, let's just get into it, right? Let's do it. I'm excited. Let's get into it. All right, so heading into this game, uh, Schalke, last week we uh, we wanted a win because a win would have guaranteed the Champions League spot. Uh, all we needed to go into this game was one point to secure that Champions League spot. Obviously, you can tell by our excitement that we we already got that. Uh, we we got with three points. We won. Um, but this was uh, an interesting week for Schalke, uh, mostly off the pitch. Uh, we, we talked about it last week. It was a tiff between uh, Heidel and Max Meyer. Um, so this one would be against Augsburg. Augsburg, they've always played us very tough. There's always been goals in this game. Uh, I believe that uh, in the Hinrunda when we played them, uh, Philip Max, you know, he was a thorn in our side. We knew he would be again. Um, Schalke had, you know, the last 13 meetings, or they've only had 13 meetings with Augsburg, um, usually comes in our, in our favor. Seven wins, five draws, and then the lone loss was something like uh, December 2015 or something like that. I can't recall. Um Let's let's get into the lineups real quick uh, for Augsburgs. Uh, Marvin hits. Uh, this would be maybe his last game for for Augsburg. Uh, he, he's been there for a long time, uh, but he's his contract has has, come, has expired, so he's going to move on from them. They gave a, a touching. Uh, uh, the Augsburg fans gave a touching uh, banner for them for him uh, before this game. Um, in defense, you had Schmidt, uh, Hulvieu. 
hint dragger Philip Max, uh, who, oh, by the way, is a co-leader uh, in assists for Bundesliga this season with 12 assists. Yep. Uh, and some fun facts about him. Philip Max, uh, whether you know it or not, he used to be a Schalke player uh, between 2010 and 2014. Don't uh, remind me. Yeah, yeah. As we all remember, he left for Karlsruhe and then ended up being in Augsburg. Uh, he is also son of Martin Max, a former Schalke player. Uh, so, Isn't that incredible, especially with the left-back trouble that we had had prior to Ochipka? You know, yeah. guys like Dennis Iogo, who's just not quite the caliber player that we need, even Christian Fuchs, depending on how you feel about him. And we had a, a young player named Philip Max who uh, we, we let go, unfortunately. That just makes me angry because he's he's phenomenal. Huh, who do we keep, Iogo or Philip Max? Let's go, Iogo. <laughs> Doesn't make sense to me anyway. <laughs> uh, for the rest of the lineup, Rani Kadira, brother of Sami Kadira, uh, Bayer, Richter, Gregorich, who's a thorn in our side as well in the Hinrunda, uh, Kayubi, and Figbasen, uh, the Icelandic uh, international. For Schalke, pretty standard lineup. Ralph Fehrman, obviously, Stambuli, Naldo, who, oh, by the way, made his 350th Bundesliga match in this one. Um, and he's been playing for a while, that's a lot. Um, Tilo Kerr on the left. Uh, in the midfield, you had Kalajiri, McKenny, Goretzka, and Schoff. And then up top, you had Konoplyanka, Di Santo in his false nine, and uh, Bergstaller. On the bench for us, we had Nubel, Insua, Baba Raman made, a, made an appearance on the, on the bench, Ochipka, Harit, Piazza, and Toykert. Uh, what were your thoughts on, 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 this, on the lineup? Obviously, it's pretty standard for Schalke, and, and a big name was missing again, which we, we know about. His, he's done with Schalke, so... Uh, McKinney getting a start alongside Goretzka. Um, I thought McKinney did pretty well in this one. Well, first of all, just from the Augsburg perspective, Philip Max, Gregorich, uh, Finn Bogason, the Icelandic hitman, as our friend Tyler Dunn would say. <laughs> uh, those are kind of the players that stand out for me. It was my, my roommate was watching a portion of this match with me. Uh, he's an Arsenal supporter, but he was uh, catching a couple minutes of the Schalke match, and he saw Kadir, and he's like, ah, oh, Sammy Kadira. And I'm like, no, he doesn't play for Augsburg. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's a little bit better than that. That's that's his brother. So that was a funny moment. Uh, but yeah, as far as the Schalke lineup goes, um, fairly standard. It's now that same back three that we've seen recently in the absence of uh, Nastasic. Wow, his name was escaping me for a second. Uh, McKenny and Goretzka. Obviously, we're not going to see Max Meyer in the midfield given given recent events. Uh, Caligari and Schupp, that, that pairing on the wings has really been uh, the more popular... Uh, set up recently over Ochipka. We've talked about that recently. That's been that's been interesting to see. Shep is really getting a very uh, preferable run in the side, I think. And then uh, good to see Konoplyanka up top. He he as well has kind of made his comeback here later in the Rook Runda, and I think that we have benefited from it greatly. I think he's uh, he's performed very well. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, maybe the time off tanning uh, really paid off, and he got his uh, his his hunger back. Hey man, look good, feel good, feel good, play good. That's that's all it is, you know. That's true, very true. Yeah, a lot of players are too worried about the looks, and I guess Konoplyanka is very comfortable with it, so he's ready to go, uh, which is great. <laughs> no, I definitely like seeing Konoplyanka there and uh, Bergstaller. Um, uh, he's a workhorse, and uh, though he doesn't score as often as like he scores more than anybody else on the team, you know, he's a leading goal scorer. So um, it's good to always see him out there. We hope Mbola gets back very soon from his injury, recover from his injury. I don't know if he'll make it in time for the last game against Eintracht, but uh, we shall see. Yeah. Um, so uh, in this game, it started out very, very slow. It looked like there wasn't going to be much action. Um, in the fourth minute, Tilo Kerr, not sure really <laughs> what he was thinking, uh, but inexplicably doesn't play the ball. That's like so. 
Augsburg gets the ball. It bounces over his head. He looks like he's trying to shield the guy from shield the the player Finn, Finn Bogus in, in this case uh, from getting the ball, thinking the ball is going to go out of bounds or maybe Fireman's going to get it. But they were nowhere close near that, and um, Finn Bogus ended up you know pushing him out of the way. Then Fireman's way out of his net already because he, he, I guess he was trying to charge out there and realized he couldn't get it, and he was way out of position. Uh, Finn Bogusen, uh took a shot on goal. Luckily, he was on the goal line when he took a shot, so it was a hard, impossible shot. Uh, it just hits the post and gets stays out. Um, but that was a little too close, too too soon in the match, Jack. Uh, it, it definitely gave me a couple more gray hairs to see that. Well, well, what was Carrer thinking in that play? I have absolutely no idea. Just uh, a moment of madness from him, kind of not 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 mental level madness from from last <laughs> week, but uh, just he just I don't know what he was thinking. I think he was maybe it was Kadira who. Uh, was kind of on the right side of the pitch and, and tries to play a through ball up the field. And uh, Kara is really the only one that's near it initially. And he has several opportunities to bring it under control and then clear it out or, you know, take take it and try to pass it somewhere. Anyway, as this is happening, he's apparently for some reason trying to wait for Fairman to run out and grab it. But this ball is only kind of slowly making its way towards the box. So Fairman can't really come in and pick it up immediately. And, and while this is happening, Finn Bogason is, is charging in. And, and ultimately, as you said, Kara tries to shield him off of it uh, to allow Fairman to pick it up rather than just booting it away. And uh, the result is that neither Kara or Fairman end up controlling this. And, and Finn Bogason, uh tries to slot the ball in. He has a very, very tight angle. It's an incredibly difficult finish for him and he he makes a great attempt at it It ultimately just rolls right across the face of goal hits the far post and, and bounces out luckily for us but um i mean what a horrible start that would have been uh if, if we had gotten punished for that it would have been rightly so because it was it was just a terrible piece of you know miscommunication between Kara and fairman and honestly that's not really fairman's fault at all it's Kara. i don't know what you're doing there but luckily we got away with it and uh Kara would would recover later in the match and make up for it yeah, this match uh, for Kara, if you had to name a movie after, it would have certainly have to be the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, we had a mix of all of that in this game. Uh, that was certainly the ugly. Um, or I guess you could even say it's the bad. Who knows? Uh, anyway, um, anyways, yeah, so Schalke got lucky on that. Uh, inexplicable action by Kara and I guess Fairman to, to an extent. Um, had Finna Buxton scored that, it would have been the 13th of the season, but luckily it did not. Uh, so the game was very stale early on. It was very cagey. I don't know if both teams were feeling each other out or neither team wanted to make a mistake. Uh, weren't many things to talk about um, through the first quarter hour, really. Um, it wasn't until the 15th minute that Schalke got their first shot on net when uh, Caligiri, a uh, nice pass behind the defense, finds Bergstaller, but he had ended up having a soft shot that was easily stopped by the keeper. Through the first 15 minutes, Augsburg were bossing the, bossing the possession, 69% to 31%. Jack, uh, Chalka, they weren't looking like they're trying to attack. They're looking just like they weren't trying to lose, I guess, and not really putting much of a fight. And, and Augsburg really weren't capable of putting too much of danger on Chalka's way as well. Yeah, uh, Chalka lacking a little bit of rhythm. I felt like uh, early I think it was nerves, uh, trying not to lose the Champions League spot. I guess. I mean, not gonna lose, but you know. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure what it was. I, we just didn't seem to really be able to to string too many passes together. I thought some of our off the ball movement wasn't the best. I mean, Ber- Bergstaller popped up a couple times on the end of things. He was really the only person that was providing an outlet. But I just thought uh, we were maybe ball watching a little bit. And not the. I think the energy level wasn't wasn't quite there. And uh, Augsburg wasn't you know lighting the world on fire either. It was basically just Finn Bogason and Bergstaller uh, trading off 
you know, occasional yeah. chances in the first 20 minutes or so of the match. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, the game, though, would start to pick up, luckily, for all of us fans, especially Shaka. Um, in the 20th minute, there was another Shaka opportunity. Bergstaller would get the ball in a good position. Um, he, he, had, he had DeSanto open. He tried to set up DeSanto, but it was a poor pass that ended up leading to a turnover. Um, shortly thereafter, though, uh, in 21st, Richter, you know, he went by Caligiri on the right wing pretty easily. I think it was Caligiri, at least. It went really, really easily went by him. Um, and then he sent it in across. Finn Boxen uh, went for a header. He was all by himself. He thought he would score, but he, luckily the pass was just too far ahead of him, and he couldn't quite connect with it. Uh, Schalke were uh, lucky in that respect because it looked like they switched off, and you, they're usually short-footed Caligiri, if that was him, in fact, or Stambouli. Um, they, they looked uh, <laughs> pathetic on that play, and, and Richter uh, went right by him. Yeah, that was Stambouli, I can confirm. Oh, it was Stambouli. Um, well, that makes he, sense. Yeah, he didn't really even put a move on him. It was a, sort of a strange piece of play. But yeah, uh, he, you know, uh, Finn Bogason was was wide open uh, in, in, in the center there. And it just, as you said, just a little bit out of reach. But he had split the defenders, Carrer and, and Naldo. And if he had gotten on the end of that one, it, it certainly would have given Fairman some trouble because that, that had a lot of pace on it. And he was pretty much right at the edge of the uh, the keeper's box there. So in the, a minute later, um, Bergstaller would finally find his passing boots uh, off a of Caligiri set piece. Augsburg would clear across. It was intended for Kara. You know, had Kara touched it, it would have been offside, but he didn't touch it. Uh, play continued. Uh, the clearance went right to Bergstaller, who uh, one time volleyed it back across the goal, and Tilo Kara, with a little cheeky deflection, uh, would score his second goal of the year. Uh, this is this guy doesn't score much. We talk about all the time how we need he needs to finish his opportunities uh, off, especially headers off of set pieces. And and this one he got it. Uh, his goal give Schalke give Schalke the lead. Uh, overall, pretty good. Obviously set piece set piece play. So uh, there's no no problems with Caligiri. But uh, what a play by Berksteller to knock it back in the box and then a deflection by Kerr. Set pieces once again. Wouldn't you know it? You know yep. uh, Caligiri delivery. It's what we've been thriving on all season. Uh, I'm sure everyone's tired of hearing us talk about this, but uh, it's really the only way Schalke seems to score goals, so we don't really have much of a choice. But, uh, yeah, another another great delivery from Caliguri. As you said, Kara wasn't quite able to get to it. might have been offsides anyway. Um, yeah, gets gets punched out to, to Bergstaller, and for some reason, no one really tries to put a body on Kara when that happens. He's just kind of sitting in, in a little bit of space. Bergstaller plays it in, and his side foot sort of back heel flick into the goal. Certainly not the kind of finish that you would expect uh, a player like Kara to be able to pull off. It was very, very clever uh, piece of play from him, but uh, ultimately like a great goal, and we're able to to jump out on the lead early inside the first half an hour, which is something that we love to see because you know you and I always hate it when we we leave these things a little bit too late, makes us nervous. So yeah, uh, yeah that that was that was a great start. Uh, that would be Tilo Kerr's first goal since the goal against Hoffenheim. Uh, so it's, it's good to see him on a scoreboard finally. Yeah. Um, happiness, though, would be short-lived. Uh, 26 minutes, Stambouli. Uh, he has, his gets a hard tackle on Richter. Um, and so all the Schalke players start complaining to the referee about the call. Meanwhile, Augsburg, they take a quick free kick um, and it passes wide up to Philip Max, who's all alone, one-on-one with Fireman and Max blasted right by him, tie this one up. Uh, after the goal, it seems like every Schalke player on the pitch was at the, surrounding the referee uh, to complain about that. What was your overall thoughts on this whole and the whole play, really, Jack? So, when 
Stan Bowie made this fall, uh, foul, the, the camera actually zooms in on, on, on the players and you're not able to see what's kind of happening around it. So I actually don't even uh, quite know how that how that played out fully. But yeah, Stan Bowie comes in, makes this tackle. The referee, you know, calls a foul and all the Schalke players surround him because or they start running towards him because they believe that it was it was a clean tackle. But, uh, you know, Augsburg, it's a heads up play and they just took that free kick quickly. And Philip Max comes flying through and, and puts it in. And, you know, before anyone really realizes what's going on, the game has been leveled. Um, I sitting at home. I didn't even know what to say about that. I didn't even like send out a tweet about it. I was just kind of standing there watching it. And just, I mean, <laughs> I was kind of lost for words for a bit. Uh, it was very cheap goal to concede, obviously. But, um, you know, some, sometimes you need to not complain about every little foul that happens. I mean, I understand why they were upset about this one, because it does look like Stan Bully, uh did win the ball. There's ultimately some contact, but he, he gets his foot to the ball first. Um, so I see why they're upset, but you can't have half your team then run and surround the ref for that kind of a decision. It's not like he gave a penalty, right? Or, or gave, you know, a red card or something like that. It, it right. wasn't some massive decision in the match. Like, yeah, you can be upset about it, but, um, you also need to pay attention to what's happening around you. So, uh, I don't know, lack of concentration, uh, a little bit of lack of discipline and, and gave up a pretty cheap goal. It's just been a trend with Schalke over the last uh, month or so that I don't like is that every time a foul happened, everyone wants to complain about it. Like, no, you need to focus on the game. And that's why that goal was scored. Nobody, everyone wanted to focus on the referee and on and the call. Nobody was doing, you know, marking the guys who they're supposed to. And, and like you said, the camera zoomed in on the play when the player is complaining. And then all you see is uh, Stambouli turn his head and the ball goes right by him. And then Philip Max one-on-one against uh, Farman. And Philip Max is having an outstanding season. He's not going to miss that. Yeah. Um, I mean, so some of these things I can I can understand. I mean, if you want to you want to talk about the Schalke player surrounding the referee after the disallowed goal against Frankfurt in the DFB Pokal semifinal, where right. you know the ref called, I understand that kind of a, a play. Obviously, you're going to be upset about that. This is nowhere even remotely near that, and you, it does not require half the team to go and yell at the ref about it. So, um, just from the fan perspective, we don't like to see that. It's it's kind of a scummy thing to do to some extent, and I'd prefer if we would. Uh, show a little bit more class in those situations instead of freaking out about everything. Well, after that, um, the talking to the ref by all the players after the goal, Burke Sauter would pick up a yellow card. I believe uh, it was for a play after the goal where um, as the players are going to celebrate, uh, Burke Sauter goes after one of the, one of the Augsburg players and it gives him a shove or something. I don't know if it was that or if he said something to the referee. I didn't catch that. Did you catch that? <laughs> I didn't. I'm assuming it had something to do with what he said to the referee. Um, once again, I don't think they showed that on film either, or at least whatever he did. Uh, there was some weird stuff going on with the camera those couple minutes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, somebody probably had to pick up a yellow card given, you know, the, the ferocity which they went after the ref. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you there. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Shock, player, shock players always seem to get these uh, – these, nonsensical yellows by for arguing or doing something silly that isn't warranted for a yellow nor you shouldn't get you shouldn't pick up a yellow like that basically if it's a hard foul trying to stop a play i get that um but uh complaining to the referee or, or something for verbal it's it's really not it's, it's it's a stupid way to get a yellow and and frankly you put your team in danger because later on in the game you, know, you could get to pick up that second yellow and get a red card so um you know hopefully the players learn some uh, get some more discipline and under Tedesco I believe they will uh, they, they've already showed this season that they're a much better discipline team than they were in the past and I believe yeah. it'll get better as as the hopefully years you know go on not just uh this year <laughs> 
Uh, anyway, moving on from that. On um, the 32nd minute, I thought, Jack, that we regained the lead. Uh, Burksteller had good defensive work, won the ball back uh, to Weston McKinney. Um, he gave a pass out wide to Kona Plianka. Uh, he ended up kicking the ball in, across the goal in a uh, back door. So it hit off the post, I believe, went right to DeSanto, who gets it, gets a shot off, and it was cleared off the line by hits. Goal line technology would come into this, and it says no goal. Uh, it's hard to argue against goal line technology. I, didn't, I thought he had scored that for sure when, it, when he first shot it during, during live play. Why did you ever think that Franco DeSanto would score? Shame on you. I mean, I mean, you know, that's that's not Franco's <laughs> fault. That's your fault for believing. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, it's a great piece of defensive play from Bergstaller. He makes a sliding interception, which, as you say, comes to McKenney, plays it out wide to Conoplianca. And um, to give DeSanto credit, he makes he makes a nice back post run. Um, to res- to be on the, I mean, obviously, I think it was more of a shot than a pass. Maybe I can't exactly tell, but he he was he was in the right area and um, kind of blank is unlucky. First of all, that ball didn't go in, and then uh, the ball comes right to DeSanto. I don't know if he didn't have time to react to it, but he really should do better than that and should finish it. Um, I, I'm not shocked that that did not occur, but uh, he kind of had what ninety percent of an open net. Yeah. And hit it to the ten percent. Back to the keeper. <laughs> yeah, he hit it all the way across goal to the ten percent that was covered by the keeper. So, uh, yeah, it absolutely should have taken the lead there, um, and it, it was a it was a missed chance for sure. I thought you were going to say it was unfortunate it went to DeSanto, which I guess it kind of. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> good good. I'll give him credit. It was good off the ball movement. He was in the right place. Um, uh, but unfortunately, the place that he should be probably is not at striker because that's not what he does generally well the uh the well-tanned ukrainian was back at it in the 34th minute uh looking looking for more opportunity to try to score this time earning a corner kick uh he tried to cross it into the middle um two Augsburg defenders got in the way and, and forced a corner kick on the ensuing corner kick Kalajiri would kick it um it would go off Kara's head again who gets involved it deflects off Finn Bogson for a goal uh while it looked like an own goal certainly because it hit off Finn Bogson um Tilo Kara ended up getting credit for this as of now. Uh hey, it was but Tilo Kara was in the right place at the right time again. Uh, he's having a he had a that's two goals for him in this game, I guess you can call it, or involved in two of the goals. So mm-hmm. uh, it's it's great to see him finally putting his head in the right way and, and getting balls on net and not dismissing wide. I think I saw a quote from Tedesco after the match where he had said if uh if Carer failed to score on another header they were going to make him shave his hair off because maybe it's getting in the way <laughs> um he's got that interesting haircut uh i mean here's the thing about tilo care he actually gets in these positions quite frequently he he is very good um from set pieces and corners in terms of his movement and yeah, and you know, f- too. yeah and, and finding openings and, and getting on the end of these things he's just struggled to finish it and there's been a number of uh I think I even sent a tweet about this last match where I said like it seems at least once a game Kara has an opportunity early where he absolutely should finish a header and just like hits it over if it's a wide I mean for whatever reason he's just had issues finishing some of these off certainly not quite the caliber that that Naldo is in terms of uh you know getting things on target with his head but um you know he got himself in a couple dangerous positions he did it again on this one uh sort of a glancing header it's not on target at all um but it, it bumps into Finn Bogason and gets redirected into uh I think you know the corner of the goal um and yeah, when I saw that live, I, you know, I was I was saying that it has to be an own goal on Finn Bogason because the, I mean that ball was absolutely not on target when it left Carrer's head. Um, but everything I'm seeing at the moment seems like they gave credit 
to care, apparently. So yeah. uh, if that's wrong, for whatever reason, then we apologize. Cause what we're looking at is showing care, getting credit for both those goals. But, uh, hey, good for him. Twice on the score sheet. Uh, love to see that. And, you know, hopefully uh, next season we'll see more of this from him because, uh, as I said, he certainly is putting himself in, in the position to get these goals. And maybe it's only just a matter of time until he starts finishing them with a little bit more regularity. Yeah, I mean, I, I know if I scored a goal, I'd be happy. I know he's going to take it as well. Um, so after this, after this goal, there really wasn't much to talk about in the first half, though in the 44th minute, Stambouli, he would get fouled, and they zoomed in on the back of his socks. And can someone buy my boy Benjamin a fresh pair of socks? This man has holes all down the backside of him. Uh, uh, it looked like he had like uh, one of those uh, like middle schoolers who goes to a pickup game, and he just he has only one pair of socks, and he's just playing with them. He had holes all back down. Did you, did you see that? He needs to stop making defensive mistakes, and then we'll get him some new socks. He's got to earn it. <laughs> Maybe he needs new socks to stop those. No, no I'm no. sure that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> so going to halftime, uh, Chuck would be up 2-1. Just before the half, though, uh, Alexander Schoff picked up a yellow card for time-wasting um, that could have uh, you know, affected uh, in the second half performance, but luckily uh, it did not. Which was stupid. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's what the heck? It was like a minute of stop, I was thinking it was a one or two minutes of stoppage time, and they're already at that mark. And so I'm like, what yeah, are you doing? He, he's literally just standing on the sideline holding the ball and, and you know just looking around. I mean, come on, it, I, I hate time wasting in general because I mean, even though referees are not supposed to uh, add additional time to stoppage time once you're into stoppage time, if that made any sense. The way I yeah. phrase that, um, even they though they're not the supposed, time, they do it all the time, and they should because teams take advantage of it. So I, I mean. I would have hated to see him do that if it was the end of the match. He's doing it at the end of the first half. What are you doing? Just it's just, just a stupid yellow. Yeah, and at the end of the game, you can pick up a stupid yellow like that, but not in the first half where you could, you know, something stupid could happen in the second half and you get sent off and put your team in a predicament. You know. Um, anyway, so overall for over performance of the first half, uh, they had the lead, so that's good. Um, uh, they need to do better, obviously, with discipline because that's what caused that the long goal for Augsburg. But I think overall, they started out slow, um, and like I said, we don't know if it was nerves or, or what was going on there, but they eventually did pick it up uh, and started creating opportunities. Uh, so uh, overall, I would say, I guess it would be, uh, if I had to give it a grade, it would probably be a B, B plus. What about you? Yeah, it's hard to give them a, a, you know, a poor grade given the fact that we scored two in the first half and we're up. But uh, yeah, I'd probably say B, maybe B minus. I don't think it was... A phenomenal first half. We just, I mean, it's set pieces once again. We we take the advan- we take the opportunities that we get, and we're not creating all that many outside of those. So uh, I'm not going to be, you know, ecstatic about what we did in the first half. But luckily, we were able to take advantage of a couple of those chances. Uh, coming out of the break for halftime, Shaka, we're obviously, uh, I guess the, the the discipline and and the focus was regained by uh, by Tedesco on his men because. Uh, the team didn't really give up many opportunities in the second half. Um, you know, started out in the 54th. Counter, uh, there was a counterattack by Goretzka. Yep. Uh, he had a give and go at Caligiri, uh, but his shot was saved. I think pretty easily. I don't think it was the greatest of shots uh, by Goretzka. And it's uh, yet again a, uh, an opportunity, a great opportunity that he fails to uh, finish on. This is the kind of play we might have talked about this last week. But this is the kind of play I feel like last year or maybe even early this season he was putting away. Um, it's a great run by him. First of all, he picks up picks up the loose ball, you know, charges up field, great pace, and then you know plays a nice side footed pass to Caliguri and, and makes himself available for the cutback. You know, he's in good off the ball movement. He makes a very intelligent run to get himself open, and 
this ball comes back to him, and he has plenty of time to control this and get a shot off. Instead, he kind of tries to to one time it, and yeah, it's it's a fairly tame effort that ends up going pretty much right to the keeper. Um, didn't place it particularly well. Didn't put a lot of venom on it. And it's just a really vanilla finish from a player that's supposed to be, um, you know, of a higher standard and higher caliber than that. So. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I give him credit for for what he did in the buildup, but that that final product from him has really been lacking recently. Um, and I don't, I don't know. It's it's just been disappointing. I, I appreciate the effort that he's putting it out there, but it, I mean, this is a player that is very hyped, is going to Bayern, um, you know, is going to be on the World Cup squad, and it just like, come on, man, like score a goal. What are the chances after the rookie run of the performance that Bayern uh, reneges on the offer and and says, you know, we're not going to take him? <laughs> <laughs> pretty slim pretty slim i'd have yeah. to say yeah <laughs> but the performance is not uh not making anything but byron probably thinks yeah. you know double guessing himself we'll like take that, max yeah. meyer we like that kid's attitude a lot he's really shown us a lot in the past couple weeks we like him shows gumption yeah <laughs> uh well a couple minutes after that play uh augsburg were started would start to go on the offensive uh Kayubi, uh had a shot it was blocked then he gets the ball back he shoots it um it was a save by Fireman, but it went right to Richter, uh, who puts it into the back of the net, ties the game up, or actually, no. Uh, offsides would be called on the player. Uh, looking back at the replay, it looked like it was a good call, Jack. Uh, but that was another close uh, close call, I guess you could say, uh, for Schalke that they got away with. Yeah, uh, I think it absolutely was the correct call, but for a second there, I was like, I mean, come on. like This is not... In, in my opinion, the kind of goal that you want to give up. No. Everyone's ball watching, right? Once again, I mean... Uh, I also nobody said that, you know? Yeah, it, happen- it happens way too much with this team. And th- this is a team that, that it, I think their work rate is excellent, and you know their off-the-ball stuff is excellent. And every once in a while, they just fall asleep. And this ball comes in, and, and Fairman makes a save on it, um, and it just gets kind of pot out into no man's land and there is no Schalke player anywhere near it trying to track it down and and you know luckily you as you said Richter was off sides but um you know if he had been on side just another foot or two that's a really bad goal to concede and that would have been the second such goal that we had this game obviously the, you know the first one's a little bit different in terms of the circumstances but another situation where Schalke players are just kind of standing around and, and not really uh maybe paying as close attention as they should so we lucked out there for sure uh, a few minutes after that, um, Tilo Carroll would pick up a yellow. So there was the bad. Uh, we had the ugly earlier. We had the good with the goals. And now with the bad, he gets a yellow card. Um, hard foul. I, I can't say too much about it. Uh, but um, it, anytime a player picks up a yellow, you know, when it's still fairly in the middle of the game, you, it makes you worried because, you know, especially with a player like a player like Tilo Carroll who can get set off pretty easily, uh, it had to be a little bit concerning, concerning to you that it, he did pick up the yellow. Yeah, um, not not his best effort there with the tackle. He was kind of trying to force him out of bounds, body checks him, uh, probably a deserved yellow. Uh, and then, yeah, he's – I like Kerr a lot, good player. Um, oh, my God, I just saw I just saw a clip of Stambouli's socks, and I started laughing. I apologize. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what's going on with those. Uh, yeah, I mean, discipline, he's not a player that gets sent off all the time or anything like that. I mean, he's probably only had like one or two red cards since he joined Schalke, but um, every once in a while makes kind of a strange tackle, and it definitely makes you worry, you know, given his relative lack of experience and everything. So that was, uh, you know, a touch concerning. But I, I think overall he's done, he's done pretty well recently, and I generally have, you know, a high degree of confidence in him. 
So uh, going on a few minutes after this play, um, in the 62nd minute, Konoplyanka, he was found open again. Kalajiri with a great pass. Uh, Konoplyanka came very close to getting on net. It just missed wide. Um, but he's you know in this game, and as he has been since he's been back and inserted in the lineup, uh, he's creating havoc and getting getting close. Uh, uh, as uh, as the games have gone on, his uh, his accuracy has got a little bit better. That one, the first game back, he shot kept shot shot like to the sidelines or something. I don't know, it was a Desanto type shot. Uh, but now he's getting better and better, and that and that shot was very close to going in to give him a three one lead. Yeah, uh, great pass from Calgary. Bergstaller is making a run down the center of the pitch, and he kind of draws both defenders to him which allows uh kind of planky to get open on that left hand side and, and calgary finds him um he cuts inside as he always does gets a shot off this was one of those situations though where for me he should have passed the ball which is the one criticism i really have him i, I love his energy and his directness and his uh his willingness to take people on and try to make something happen i think it's something that is is lacking at times from other players in this squad but um goretzka once again is making a really good trailing run on this play. Um, Berkstaller was even open, but but Gretzka finds space behind this, and he is wide open down the center of the box and is looking for the ball and does not receive it. And I think that's happened like several times over the last couple of weeks. So uh, you know, maybe if Gretzka gets one or two chances instead of just you know kind of the main ones that he messes up, he might he might have scored a couple goals by now. So that was a little bit disappointing from from kind of Plianke in my opinion. But uh, you know, at least at least he's getting into those dangerous positions. Yeah, I do recall Bergseller was open in that play, and I'm wondering, I'm like, yeah, pass it to him. Yeah, to yeah. Him. I, uh, I was I was screaming at the TV for him to pass in that situation, and I I love I love what he takes some of these shots, but that was that was not one of those occasions. Yeah, I know, I agree about that. Um, in the 66th minute, um, I am from Wheaton, Maryland, and I could hear all the way in Wheaton, Illinois, uh, <laughs> someone cheering loudly, and that's when that's because DeSanto would come off, and I mean Harit would come on. Um, so I know that had to make you happy, Jack. <laughs> yeah for those of you who are not aware uh just a quick quick aside this may may or may not be an interesting story but when richard and i first became acquainted um you know i told him that i was from chicago because no one knows where wheaton illinois is and he told me he was from dc because no one knows where wheaton maryland is and then we found out that we're actually both from suburbs of those places and both have the same town names so that was kind of an interesting uh cool story bro but yeah go ahead <laughs> I, 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 was, I was pleased to see <laughs> franco come off uh don't think he did a whole lot in this particular one. Um, and it was actually interesting is that he was, he was playing a little bit further up than he normally does. Cause what we've seen him in recently is what, as what you jokingly kind of refer to as the yeah. defensive trick artista, right? Uh, that, that right. sort of defensive false nine. Um, Bergstaller was the one who was playing in that deeper lying yeah. role in this match. And, and Franco DeSanto was playing further up. Um, and if they had been reversed, that actually might've been Bergstaller on the end of that DeSanto chance. And maybe it would have gone in, but um, yeah, you bring on Harit for DeSanto. Uh, I really can't imagine a situation in which I would not enjoy that substitution. So yes, I was I was <laughs> I wasn't cheering, but I I had a, a grin on my face for sure. So that was more of an offensive or like for like substitution. Um, but now eighteen minutes down the road, eighty uh, fourth minute, uh, Kona Plianka would come out and and a defensive situation a substitution to be in, and Bastino Chipka would come in for him. So I thought that was a uh, you know obviously they're trying to lock up the game at that point. Um, and then we'd have an appearance in the 89th minute. Bergseller, uh, with all of his hard work, would come off, and, and Cedric Toykert would come in. He'd get an appearance. Um, so game looking like it's going to end at that scoreline. Uh, then in the 92nd minute, uh, Finn Bogason, uh with a last-ditch effort, tried to shoot it on net, uh, but it was uh, more of a flub, I guess, and it ended up being a very easy save for Ralph Fairman. 
Um, and then just before the game ended, uh, Alessandro Schoff with a great pass to find a streaking Toykert, looking like he was going to get his first goal on a breakaway all alone, and he misses opportunity wide. But it's, um, while it's, it's disappointing that he didn't finish, it's good to see that he has the nose for to find the open spaces and get open like that. Um, I don't know how many of the, of the Schalke attack would have been in a, in, in a good position like he was. And he didn't, you know, he did well by not playing the first initial pass and letting it go by him and then catching up to it, which led to that breakaway, Jack. But it's, uh, it's hopefully a good sign of things to come with him. He was questionably offside on that one. They didn't yeah, call it, yeah. but he, he might have been outside. It's a good play from Goretzka um, defensively to pick that ball up and, and play it across. And then, as you say, um, intelligent run from, from Toykert, regardless of whether or not he was offside. And I, I think it's his, his final touch that lets him down. He, he just kind of kicks out a little bit too far in front of him so that he doesn't have a, as much time to get that shot off with his next touch as, as he would have liked because, you know, the keeper was uh, kind of right in front of him at that point. He just puts it wide. I, I mean... I'm not saying he absolutely should have scored that. I think he probably could have done better. But uh, regardless, it's nice to see him make an appearance, uh, you know, his, his occasional late game cameo. And um, overall, you know, a good piece of play from him there to uh, actually I just saw the replay of this. He was he was onside for sure. So that's my bad. But um, yeah, would have loved to see him make his his his, his first goal for the club. Uh, and, you know, plays like that are promising for what he can potentially deliver going forward. The game would end one to two. Two goals for Schalke, one for Augsburg. Um, Schalke would get all three points. It would lock up the, uh, the Champions League spot and get the second spot. And the second spot was secured because um, all the teams that are behind us had res- favorable results for us. Dortmund lost, Hoffenheim lost, and Leverkusen drew. So with that, Schalke had a five-point lead on, on anybody else, which would be Dortmund. And Schalke guaranteed second spot ahead of Dortmund. Thank you, good night, and see you next week. <laughs> Big shout-out to Mainz. Excellent job. Yes. Uh, two goals in the first 15 minutes, uh, taking the lead on Dortmund, and then they just didn't surrender at Dortmund, from what I heard. I didn't watch that match, but from what I heard, they were uh, pretty miserable yesterday. So that was a clutch performance from them, and as you say, helped us lock up Champions League. I am so thrilled that we're back in this. There were a couple moments this season where it looked like maybe we would that wouldn't be the case, particularly after that bad start we got off to in the Rook Runda. But um, I think you and I both agree, and I'm sure most of our listeners do, that this is a club that belongs in European football year in, year out. Um, at a minimum, Europa League, but you know, preferably Champions League. And uh, I mean, what can you say? Tedesco's done an incredible job this season, uh, turning this ship around, um, making sure we qualify. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for the future to see what happens in the summer with some of our additional signings that I'm sure will be coming. Um, and, you know, the, fu- the future is very bright. It was, a, it was a great weekend for us. Absolutely. So the standings look like this. Bayern Munich sitting first uh, with one game remaining, 24 points up on Schalke. Schalke sitting second, five points behind them. Borussia Dortmund, three points behind Dortmund are Hoffenheim and Leverkusen tied at the moment with Hoffenheim with the advantage in goals. And then Leipzig and Eintracht. Um, it's funny. Uh, it's funny how the season works out like that. You know, we ended the first. Uh, we got once we got in the second position this season. Um, we weren't sure, you know, if we would be able to sustain it for the entire season. He ended the Hinrunde, and we're still in second place. Okay, it's good, but uh, we came out of the Rook Runda very poorly and not, not not the best results. But we went on the big win streak, um, started getting results consistently, and. and you know, got back in the second place and have held it the whole time. And when 
as the weeks have gone on, we weren't sure if we were going to be able to keep that position because uh, Dortmund were hot in our heels, as was Leverkusen and, and Hoffenheim. But these la- this last couple of weeks or so, um, you know, from winning the Riviera Derby and onward, uh, Schalke have really stepped up their game. While their performances have not been the results that we wanted, uh, they still got points out of them. And ultimately, that ended up helping us secure the second spot and the Champions League for next season. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Schalke belong in the in the Champions League uh, discussion every year. That's the tournament they need to be in, not just uh, in Europe and Europa League, but they need to be in Champions League. Um, now, the next you know, the next phase is building on that. Uh, you know, we obviously we got Mark Uth, we got Salif Sane. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to see who else. We make sure we keep people, especially the manager, um, but also bring in some 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 depth. We said this last week. Um, if you want to compete in Champions League and the DFB Pokal and the Bundesliga, you need to have depth and a lot of rotation. We're gonna have rotation anyway. That's what Tedesco does. But uh, we need some help for sure to to do well because I think you know yes we're in the Champions League, but I think the you know for Schalke they need to escape their group group um whatever group they're in uh it's going to be hard because there's a lot of good teams in in, in europe but uh i, I think I, w- I at least for me as a fan i'm not going to be content with just you know making group stages and then limiting there i need to see them get progress you know yeah well hopefully we don't run up against a uh a real madrid or a chelsea group of death or something in the knockout round like we usually do you know immediately after the group stage uh we've had some tough draws in, in that respect but uh, yeah, I'm optimistic. As you said, Uth and Sané are two people that are coming in um, What for a combined total of $8 million or something like that. I mean, that's a great bit of business to get, yeah. you know, one of, the, one of the hotter strikers and, you know, one of the most versatile defensive-ish players in the Bundesliga for, for that kind of sum is um, – it's very Schalke-like in terms of how we usually use, lose people for those kind of – those kind of figures so i was yeah i'm pleased to see that and i'm sure heidel and tedesco have some additional uh moves up their sleeve that they're you know preparing to try to go out there and make and uh we will obviously keep you updated on that throughout the summer um you know maybe hop on a podcast whenever uh, you know some big news breaks regarding the team but a lot to look forward to um you know one game left it's kind of a celebratory game for us at this point because we, we've achieved i think what we wanted to achieve um in terms of our position ahead of dortmund and also the champions league qualification so uh very successful season for us and uh i, I mean hats off to the team they they, they deserved it they earned it i'm, I'm really pleased Absolutely. Um, so, all right, Schalke fans, what did you make against the match against Augsburg? Uh, send us a tweet at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, and then stay tuned for our next seg- segment where we have a nice chat with Phil Bonney, Bundesliga commentator. And we are back with our second segment, a, a very uh, exciting segment for both Jack and I. Uh, let me introduce first our guest. Uh, he's a Bundesliga commentator for 15 years, 53 years old, but still a passionate amateur footballer, or as he tells us, as long as his knees hold out. A gentleman born and bred in Southampton, but has been residing in Cologne, Germany since 1994. Please give a warm welcome to Phil Bonney. Welcome, Phil. Ah, Very pleased to be here, Richard. Thank you. Hi, Jack. <laughs> yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, you. So, you live in Cologne, Germany now. So, you're. Uh, I would take it then. You're a you're a Cologne fan. Well, it um, rubs off eventually if you live somewhere long enough. <laughs> um, 
But uh, they play in red and white. They both get relegated at the same time if they're not careful. So there is a, there is a certain amount of uh, sympathy that I have for my local uh, club. But I'm, I'm really just a, pretty much a fan of, of good football. That's, that's what I like most. Southampton's just holding on again. I got the draw against Everton today. Uh, just holding on to that 17th place. I'll, I'll be pulling for you for sure. Oh, well, I'm I'm very pleased. I'd be much happier if uh, Matt Letizier was still in the side because he saved us on so many occasions <laughs> on the last day of the season. Although we've got two chances. Uh, if we uh, if we beat Swansea on uh, Tuesday night, uh, we'll be safe, I think, pretty much. Um, and then the last game of the season's at home against Manchester City. Uh, so that might not be... Uh, the outcome that we'd want from it so it's, <laughs> it's do or die against Swansea well Huddersfield uh, managed to draw today as well so uh, that bodes well for you potentially if they can if they can manage that against the, the league's top team with a bit of luck most of their players will be thinking about the, the World Cup and uh, won't want to get injured so if we go out there and kick them up in the air a bit maybe they'll end up <laughs> So, so uh, as Phil, as I, oh, I too am a Saints fan, or I guess as we're a sufferer, I guess we should say. Um, so, uh, well, let's get off of that because we talk Southampton all day. So, uh, to the Bundesliga now. Um, well, first, how did you get into the whole commentating business? Uh, I'm very curious how when I, you know, when I speak to commentators, just how they got into it. Sometimes it's uh, that's what they're aiming for. Sometimes it's just by luck. Uh, how did you get into it? Oh, with me, it was definitely luck, um, and and maybe having the right skill set. But uh, there was a, a gentleman who was uh, quite well known uh, over on the other side of the Atlantic, used to do soccer made in Germany, a guy called uh, Toby Charles. Um, he and I worked together on various other uh, various uh, voiceover projects for um, the Deutsche Welle, uh, part of the German uh, international broadcasting uh, department. And we would work together. He would be a um, director producer of various different documentaries that had been translated from German and needed to be uh, put into English because um, even today you'll see that uh, Deutsche Welle broadcast in English around the world. And we'd always talk about football. He knew I was a uh, football mad and uh, Deutsche Welle had a football team and uh, we used to talk about that. And one day he turned around and said, oh, they're looking for somebody. Would you be interested? And uh, it took me about uh, I normally say 0 0.001 of a second to say, yeah, certainly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, after that, uh, he arranged that I, I did a sort of audition and uh, they were very pleased and I started almost immediately. Well, I think it's very lucky for the rest of us that that happened because uh, we truly enjoy your calls. You're, you're one of the best, I think, in the business. Oh, it's very kind of you to say so. My wife wouldn't agree. She's fed up with football. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the things we wanted to talk about with you is, I mean, so you've, uh, you've been commentating the Bundesliga for, for years and years. Um, Schalke over the past few seasons um, has seemed to uh, be even more of a crisis club than potentially they normally are as they've, you know, they're generally over the past 10 years, you know, been in Europe, uh, mostly the Champions League. And then, we, you know, we saw them fall as far as I believe 11th place last season um, with a lot of up in the air we made this hire with you know the young unproven manager in Domenico Tedesco um I, I think a lot of us weren't sure exactly what we were gonna see from him in this team but they they've managed to now uh lock up second place officially and a Champions League berth um what do you think it is that that's allowed them to do it like when you when you watch the Schalke team this season is there anything that stands out to you as opposed to previous seasons um, that, that that would sort of explain this incredible turnaround for them? 
it's consistency. It's always consistency. That's what makes Bayern Bayern. They are always nicking the points right at the end. Um, they just keep going like a steamroller. And Schalke have had a bit of that this time. They've 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 dug in deep and they've they've hauled points out of games that um, they really shouldn't have done. I mean, I'll give you the biggest example, which I don't need to give you, is the four four against uh, against Dortmund. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. In the old days. That would be a done deal after about 3-0. Um, but that sort of belief in themselves... Schalke were always a bridesmaid, never a bride over the last 10 years or so, and at least since I've been, been commentating. It's been that consistency that's that, that's failed them. And I think, you know, next season, you're getting Mark Ault, Sané is coming in. You, OK, Goretzka's going, but he hasn't really done that much the last month or so anyway. Um, I think... I think that Schalke's future is uh, is is looking bright, bright blue. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually glad that you bring up that Goretzka point because that's something that Richard and I have discussed on the podcast quite a bit. I mean, obviously Max Meyer and Goretzka are uber talented, you know, under 23 German internationals, players that you'd absolutely want to hold on to if possible. But I don't think that Goretzka, particularly in the Rook Runda, has done all that much um, to impress. And so, yeah, we're disappointed that he's leaving. But uh, as you say, especially with some of the reinforcements we already have, and, and I'm sure the summer business that we will, will be doing, um, you know, as long as we get a little bit of depth in the midfield, I actually think that we'll be okay in that department. For me, the the primary focus has to be, uh, you know, making sure that we have enough depth at the back with, you know, as, as good of a season as Naldo has had. Uh, he is he is getting up there and, you know, father time is undefeated. And then also, uh, I think this team has, has struggled offensively. Yeah, well, Mark Oot's coming, so that that might help things. I've, I've been really impressed this season with Guido Burgstahler. He's been absolutely phenomenal. And you've played some good football, but there are just those games where it doesn't work. The whole Meyer situation is unfortunate. That's the whole political side of football and the intermanagemental, uh, I'm not sure that's a word, but the the way that all works and and players get caught up in in a whirlwind of um, agents and and managers and uh, sporting directors. And uh, in the end, the only people that suffer are the fans because they don't get to see the good players and the players who don't get to play. Um, I remember a few years back when uh, a certain Mr. Kevin Prince Boateng was out of favour. He seems to be doing all right again now. <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing with uh, the thing with the, the squad is as well, you know, Naldo. You there's no, um, you can't swap experience. You can't. It's not experience is not something you get overnight. Naldo's worked out his game. You see it in a lot of the players that are getting towards the end of their careers. In players like Robin, like Pizarro. You know, he's, he's a class act, uh, Naldo, and, and, and he knows the game inside out. And all of a sudden, rather than the stuff that's going on around the game, he concentrates on his football and he plays it really well. Um, that free kick recently was uh, quite breathtaking. Um, not the first time he's hit one like that, but the first time in quite a while. But uh, no, I, I, I think the Goretzka issue is football teams, players come and go. They have to. It's the nature of the business. Uh, but it's it's how you replace them. I mean, we did talk earlier about Southampton. That's the problem that Southampton's got. You can't sell all your best players every season exactly. uh, and still expect us to stay out there fighting for a place in, in the Europa League. Um, and at the same way here at Schalke, they've done a very clever thing. They've stuck with Tedesco. He's done a brilliant job. The players believe in him. And you can see that. 
you know, it's in, in the same way as like Nagelsmann. He's got he's got the respect. He's young, but he's got the respect and he's got the know-how. And the fact that you're finishing second this season is is proof of that. You've obviously uh, commentated on uh, several Bundesliga games this season, uh, the Riviera Derbies and whatnot. Um, how much of the success from Schalke this season is attributed to Domenico Tedesco, and how much of it is, you know, part of you know part good luck based on how other teams have been underperforming this season? Ah, uh, there's no such thing as luck. You just have to go out there and do do what you can. You know, um, it's actually something we talk about the, the, the commentators uh, amongst us. We, we, there is there is sort of a uh, it's it's not about luck. It's been in about the right place, been in the wrong place. Sometimes fortune smiles on you. That's for sure. Um, you, you can't deny that. But uh, I don't I don't think there's, there's luck has had too much to do with it. Um, you are where you are. You, you don't get to be second several points ahead of Dortmund without without yeah. putting in a good shift. So you touched upon something uh, just a minute ago there in terms of the Schalke being a selling club as, as well as teams like Dortmund, um, Hoffenheim and others. And that's something else I wanted to touch upon briefly with you. Bayern currently is sitting, what is it, 24? 24, yeah. Point, yeah, points ahead of Schalke in, in first place. Um, you know, they've won the Bundesliga several seasons in a row, and it just seems like there is no way around that. It's it's an inevitability at this point. Um, there are I think the Bundesliga is, is absolutely still worth watching. Obviously, I don't think any of us would be here talking about it. If that was not the case, but it gets a lot of criticism because of the lack of a title race. What do you think can be done to to change this and make this a more competitive race? At the top, I think part of it is obviously teams like Schalke and Dorman not shipping off all their players consistently, but um, particularly when they go directly to Bayern, I, I, is it is it just money is just too powerful? Like, how do you how do you see uh, this playing out if, if teams are able to get around this? I don't think you'll ever be able to get around it. I th- I think um, the problem, although obviously you know these are only my uh, my thoughts on the thing, not those of anybody else, but it I think every year it's an absolute massive miracle trick that sides do in all the leagues, in all the top leagues to convince the other sides that they actually have a chance. Um, it's something that I bang on about. But if, if I say to you, look guys, you get on your bicycles, you can, you know, paint them as, as flashy as you can. And I'll get in my Lamborghini. And if you cycle really, really hard, you'll be able to beat me. Look at Leicester, look at Leicester city. They yeah. did it. Yeah. The fact that all the Lamborghinis had flat tyres and a broken axle that year um, was something that happens once in a hundred years. Until everybody has the same amount of money, it's not going to be the same. There are always sides that have uh, uh, the, the advantage, and and of course, money talks and uh, the players walk. Um, it's it's sadly that's the way it is, and you just have to accept it. Six so, so times in a row that Bayern have won now, and they are untouchable because they built up their money at a time where they, did, you know, fair play to them. They they did everything right, and the rest of the clubs have just not going to. They're not just going to touch them. They can't touch them in in the UK in in the in the Premier League because of the way the finances work there. You've got about six clubs with a lot of money, so it seems to be more um, competitive in in that way. But it is. The money, you know, Huddersfield don't have a lot of money. Southampton do. They just spend it badly or sell all their players. Well, that's a different, <laughs> a different question. So, and then going along with that, part of the problem with Schalke, though, it's not just that, you know, they're selling players. It's that they're losing them for free. 
and we're letting all of these people walk. And so part of my question then as well is, and maybe this is just incredibly naive on my part. Obviously, I'm not a professional footballer and I wouldn't, you know, know that the what it's like to be in the mind of one of them. But, you know, you take a look at somebody like Leon Goretzka. Um, and he's been a shocker for a while. I'm not saying he hasn't put in his time there. But uh, to me, the way I look at it, and obviously I'm biased towards my club, is that, you know, trying to climb that hill and then potentially accomplishing that with Schalke would be more rewarding than going to Bayern, being a rotation player and, and winning a Bundesliga title without much competition. I don't. I don't see why that's more attractive or more rewarding. Um, I mean, maybe it has to do with uh, you know the international brand that you can build with yourself at at a club that has the reach of Bayern. I'm not sure if it's you know if it's money related in that way, but um, you know it's not like Schalke in this case is saying, "Hey, Bayern's making this great offer, and we have to you know cash in on this player." He's just walking, and I, I don't understand sometimes why some of these players um, kind of take. I, I hesitate to say the easy way out, but that's the way it seems. All, all football players think that they're going to break through and they're going to be, you know, the next biggest Bayern star if they get asked to come to Bayern or if they get uh, acquired by Bayern. And you can't blame them because you have to have self-confidence uh, in your own abilities. And, and they all do. But a lot of them end up sitting on the bench like uh, Vaid Hashimian did from Bochum all those years ago. Lucas Podolski didn't uh, really... Um, hit the heights as much as he would have expected to do but at the end of the day when you turn around and you look at your career when you when you retire you want to turn around and go well I won the Champions League I was a champion four or five times in a row um, I won the DFB Cup uh, and these are all the medals that I had whereas if you stay your entire career at uh, Hanover you might end up if you're lucky with a runners-up F- uh, um, DFB Cup medal um so i can understand it from that point of view also agents play a very big role these days um the the money is uh again the the major the major thing it's the the days of club loyalty uh, are pretty much behind us although every now and then something surprising happens like what's happening at Köln right now with uh, with hector and uh horn and Ressa and uh Hürger all saying that they're going to stay in uh, and go down into bundesliga too that's amazing too, because uh, Horn is a is a very quality goalkeeper. Uh, you've been you were talking we were talking about money there, um, and it's, while it's true for majority of the Bundesliga clubs, uh, but if you look at Schalke and even Dortmund, uh, they're both ranked in the top fifteen as far as uh, income, I guess, or revenue from from football and, and all across Europe. So with them, while they do, they have money, it's not obviously not Bayern money. It's not filthy rich. Uh, uh, but what can do you see? Um, Either these clubs, you know, challenging Bayern next year or even in years to come. Yes, you know, it's, you got to keep the players not and keep them from going to Bayern. But um, these these two clubs have money. They do they do show that they're willing to spend it every now and then. Um, but I guess with them, those two, both Dortmund and Schalke need to go away from this selling mentality and and finally you know start hogging players and say you know we need a we need to challenge Bayern or because it seemed almost content finishing second and third every year to Bayern. Well, I don't think they can uh, hold on to the players because if the players want to go, there's there's no way to stop them these days. All you do is uh, you, you you end up suspending them and then nobody wins, really. Um, if you take Bayern off the top of the Bundesliga, you've got a very, very competitive league. But they are so far out ahead of everyone else 
that I don't think anybody else does stand a chance. The only the only thing that happens is a bit like with Leicester. Every now and then you get a perfect storm where you've got an yeah. aging squad. So at the moment you've got people like Ribery and and Robin who are very much coming to the end of their careers. And so they're looking towards people like uh, Kingsley Coman um, to to add some some speed. Goretzka's coming in. Kimish is looking fantastic. He's uh, phenomenal. He, he just gets better every time. But uh, they also, because of their pa- uh, pulling power, if they fancy Christian Pulisic, they'll turn around and put a big wad of uh, cash on the table. If he's uh, not, uh, if his if his contracts run out, then like with Goretzka, who wouldn't go? Um, it, it's a sad thing to say, but uh, again, I'm banging on about the same thing. But look, loyalty in football these days is uh, few and far between. And to be honest, you know, Goretzka came through Borkham, if I remember rightly. Um, you know, so he's not got a, a massive sort of Schalke vein running through his through his blood. Um, and of course, players want to win stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was. He did come from from Bokum. He wasn't quite, you know, the full Dabashmita Academy player that maybe some other people have been. Uh, going along with this sort of macro Bundesliga vein here, you know, one of the other big talking points from this season, outside of you know the Bayern dominance, which I think is a talking point every year, has been the introduction of VAR. Um, I'm interested in what your opinion on it is specifically because you have a very unique experience as a commentator. Does it make your job more difficult? Um, you know, in the, as you're calling a game, trying to figure out what's going on, uh, do, do you appreciate VAR? Are you, are you, I mean, what are you, what's your general opinion on the way it's been implemented? Obviously, it's had some, some hiccups and some struggles in the first year, but are, are you optimistic about its use or are you uh, kind of sour on it, as many people are at this point? Oh, well, there's a whole long list of uh, subjects there. We can talk about this for an hour. Um, I'm, as, as a commentator, it's it's a win-win situation because you've just got stuff to talk about. Either they get it right, they get it wrong. You think they got it right, but they got it wrong. They think they got it wrong and got it right, but it, it can go on forever. Um, I think it's a good idea, um, but I think, uh, again, just my personal view, I think it's used too much. Uh, I think it's ridiculous having teams coming back out from uh, half-time to take a penalty. Um, and if you look at the way... It used to work in the old days. There'd be a shout for a penalty or a handball or whatever. And if the referee wave play on continued, the players would look at each other and then continue. These days, it's just added another... I can't think of the word right now, but it's just another uh, stumbling block in in the smoothness of the game because then everybody starts looking uh, to the referee and going over and asking for a video assistant to, uh, um, opinion. And it just creates as many problems as it solves, I think. But I think, for instance, goal line technology, is the ball over the line or not? Fantastic. That's that's one of the yeah. major yeah. things. Yeah. Um, I think one of the big problems is that the fans in the stadium don't know what's going on. We all at home watching on the television see the video assistant referee go uh, to look at the, the piece of uh, uh, the clip where the infringement has or hasn't happened so we get to know that, oh, yeah, actually, you can really see that's a clear handball. And then it uh, goes to the referee. But the, the fans in the stadium can't see that. And then the other thing is, of course, the, the, uh, again, talking about consistency, the number of games we've seen this season where two similar incidents have happened, one has been judged by the video assistant referee and one hasn't. And that, that annoys people. Of course it does. 
um, if it was you know my side getting uh, um, a call against them, that would that would make me very upset. I think generally the, the the thing is very good, but when when they bring it back a minute and a half after somebody scored at one end to say, oh no, actually he was slightly offside when he when the other team played the ball on. I think that's when it starts to get a little bit ridiculous. And I, I think at the World Cup, there's going to be uh, some interesting scenes going on where people get very upset uh, with with video assistant refereeing. But uh, it's, it's in its infancy. And uh, I think it needs to be used with a little more... Uh, not for every infringement. A lot of the time, I think they could just let it run as it as it as it was. But mm. uh, you know, if 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 it's your side that's just been relegated because the the team um, you're playing against has has got a, a goal from an offside position, then you're going to want VAR to be there. And I and can you, understand that too. You bring up a good point about the you know VAR. Sometimes a call, two calls, one call will be called one way, the other one won't. Uh, we had an example of that uh, in the Schalke versus Eintracht uh, semifinal of the DFB Pokal game, where early in the game there was a um, there goes a VAR for a, a penalty or a red card in, in the situation with um, uh, Jelson Fernandez, and then later in the game there was a chance when uh, De Santos scores a goal, and everyone's wondering why didn't they go to VAR then? And so obviously Schalke are not in a position to complain about VAR. They had many calls go their favor this season. Um, I guess this season we'll find out that. Um, how VAR does because it's going to be with the World Cup, I believe, and that could make or break it. Whether it, you know, UEFA decides to pick it up, um, I know many people were clamoring for it uh, during the Champions League, and um, like I said, it, it it could either make the game, you know, stumble and, and slow the game down immensely, leaving people confused. Why are we stopping? Um, especially if you're just the game, but uh, also it could uh, make sure the calls are correct, and that's what we kind of hope that they they fine tune it. Like you said, it's the big, first season uh, for VAR for in all the leagues or in a good part of the leagues. Um, so I, I think it'll it'll work itself out. You know, Jack and I are fortunate in the United States that we, most of our sports have replays already installed, so we're kind of used to it. Yeah, that's, I think I think we're, I think we're ingrained in that American sports culture. So for us, it's not a particularly big deal because it's something that we're used to. That's why we're interested always in, you know, the opinions of people, maybe not as much in that, you know, used to that kind of a thing. And it, it, so, I mean, when you're in a, st- this is a question I actually don't know the answer to, uh, you know, on the scoreboard or, you know, they're in, in the stadium, do they have some sort of graphic that comes up when VAR is there being is a, utilized? There is a graphic that VAR is uh, um, being uh, consulted. Also, the referee very often puts their finger to their ear. Um but going back to that, what you were saying about American sports, I, I like the idea uh, of of maybe giving both coaches two challenges per per match. Yeah. Okay. And or three, and then maybe it would be it will be used uh, a, a little more uh, carefully. Um, but uh, you know, some games you get where there's not a single uh, instance of VAR, and other games where, where it's happening all the time. It's it's still in its teething uh, stages, and um, I, the idea is to so that it's fair. Um, but of course, everybody's an expert. <laughs> yeah. Um, that you, you go back to the uh, to the Schalke against Frankfurt game. That was a game I commentated uh, as as well. That goal right at the end looked from the referee's perspective. I think when you when you take into account where he was standing and where his assistant was standing, it might well have looked like a handball. Um, and if he isn't challenged or if the referees they're not brought back by the video assistant referee um then there's nothing he can do about it 
Yeah, I think my understanding of what happened, at least is what I was hearing online, is that uh, because the official blew the play dead before the, the play had been complete, before the ball crossed the line, it actually wasn't reviewable, apparently. Um, if he, if he had, right if, yeah, if he had waited to blow his whistle even a half second, um, it would have been a possibility. So it's just kind of unfortunate timing on that part. But no, I, under, I understand what you're saying. I, I don't think that we I think everyone wants the right calls to be made ultimately. But that's the but, sort of problem that uh, that the VAR brings up because we're all now waiting for the VAR. We've we've all been used to watching football um, and seeing the experts in the studio who have access to these uh, quick replays and say, oh, well, the referee's got that 100% right. That's a really good call. Um, while the fans in the stadium are still screaming for a penalty when it's been a great tackle. Um, but now we're kind of getting into the area where we're expecting technology to take over and take it out of the hands uh, of the of the, the man or, or women on the pitch. And uh, that's also a phase, something that we, we're going to have to get used to that sort of decision-making process. And uh, a lot of the time in the Bundesliga, I must, to be fair, it hasn't taken, or I haven't felt that it's taken too long. Um, obviously, I'm just talking away while all this is going on. I don't know exactly how the fans <laughs> in the stadium feel about it. But it, it, to me, there was uh, maybe a couple of times where it took a bit of a long time. But uh, the, the one about bringing the Mainz players back from the yeah. Freiburg, it was... Um, that's what that's 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 like kind of the ugly side of it. You don't want to see that sort of thing happening. You want you want the decision to be made and you want it to be right and, you, and it has to happen there and then. And that's what needs to be practiced. And, and in just a single season, you know, we've we've seen some we've seen the best and we've seen the worst of VAR. Before we uh, before we let you go, we got a couple more questions to wrap this up. Um, you know, as, as as fans watching the game, we know what it's like to watch these big derbies uh, when it comes out. Uh, you know, in the Bundesliga, obviously, you have the Riviera Derby or or the Klassiker. How how is it for you as a commentator to comment on these games? Uh, you know, most of the time you obviously have a neutral perspective, but how do, how does it feel to commentate on these games? Because I know how it feels like to watch it, obviously, and it's it's great. Really disappointing. Really, really disappointing when when you don't get to, when you don't get to be on the damn, the damn things. Um, I would so have loved to have been on the Revere Derby for the four four, but it wasn't my game, so somebody else got the pleasure of that. Uh, other times, I've I've been to uh, to to do it um, Der Klassiker, and I've been really up for it. And my co-com, and we've been there in the stadium, and it's been one of the most boring nil nils you'll ever see in your life. Um, we do get very excited about it, but we get excited about the prospect of it being a good game. Right. Um, and as a commentator, sometimes you can have, I know it sounds, uh, I don't want to be offensive to anyone, but sometimes Mainz against Freiburg can be as exciting as Bayern against Dortmund. Yeah. Um, because it, just me personally, as a, as, a, as a football fan, a football nut, uh, I like good football. And when it's, people are piling in with the challenges, they're giving it everything they've got, it doesn't have to be slick and beautiful and lots of little flicks and, and quick passes, but it has to be committed um, and, and exciting and end to end. And uh, I like that more. I think, you know, sometimes I think I'd much rather commentate a relegation scrap than um, a, a battle for, for, for second and third or, or for first and third. Sometimes it, it can be more fun and more exciting to, to get the, the dirtier games as it were. <laughs> Yeah. So how did how do you go about determining uh, who gets to call what? Are, they, are these assigned to you? Do you have to barter with your 
fellow commentators and trade matches to try to get the ones that you want to, you know, to draw straws? How does that work? Um, we're, we're told what we do. We get the list and, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> You're on this, they're on that, he's on something else. Uh, and it, 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 there's lots of factors play into it as well. It depends if we're doing it from the stadium or out of the stadium. Some of the lads fly in from the UK to to do the games. Uh, some of us live here. Um, and it, those sort of things are all taken into, into account. Um, but, uh, yeah, if, over the season, a bit like with the VAR decisions, over the course of a season, you get your good games and you get your bad games. What is your favorite Bundesliga moment that you have called? I think I think I think one of them certainly has to be perhaps the uh, Lewandowski five goals in nine minutes. I believe that was you, correct? It was me. Yes. Uh, yeah. That one was that one. That one was pure luck from a from a commentator's point of view. In as much as like with football players, like with any job, um, you have your good days and your bad days. You know, sometimes. Especially, Naldo's very good for doing that to me. You'll you look <laughs> down to check a fact or, or, or a statistic and you'll look up and the ball will be in the back of the net and someone's hit it in from about 30, 35 yards. And you'll go, oh, that was a goal. Yeah, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> and other days, you'll be there and very wide awake. And that, that, the Lewandowski one was, was one where uh, I, was, I, was, <laughs> I was quite wide awake with that. Um, one of my other favourite moments was um, Wolfsburg... Uh, in Leverkusen a few seasons back that I wasn't actually supposed to be doing the game um, but one of my colleagues uh, came down with an abscess on his tooth and couldn't uh, uh, couldn't do the game so I filled in for him and it ended 5-4 and Bastos scored the final uh, the fifth goal in the in the dying embers of the game mm, wow uh, and that was a, a wild ride that one um but uh, those are probably my two. Uh, I had another one uh, this season, actually. The the just before Christmas, when Köln were three 0 up in the snow against Freiburg, and then yeah. Freiburg just kept coming back and coming back. Yeah. And you knew if they got one, they'd get two, and if they got two, they'd certainly get three. And if they got three, Köln were done, uh, which is indeed what happened. <laughs> um, that was exciting too. That was one of the crazier games of the season, no doubt about it. Of course, with the first Riviera Derby. Um, to wrap this up, uh, bring us back to Schalke. Is Domenico Tedesco manager of the year for you, or if not, who is and why? And that is the question. If he's not, who is and why? <laughs> yeah, I agree. He would certainly, he would certainly get my vote um, for coach of the season. Um, obviously, we've still got one game to go. I'm really excited about that. I've got Hoffenheim against Dortmund. Oh, I know nice. which side you'll be supporting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, those those two will uh, will be going at it hammer and tongs next weekend. Uh, it's nice for once as a commentator just to get a, a game that's not a, a dead rubber at the end of the season. Um, no, definitely. Um, he has done a fantastic job. Schalke are a force again in the Bundesliga. What they need to do next season now is build on what they've got. They've got the Champions League to look forward to. Uh, they've got some exciting players joining them as well. A little bit of clever transfer politics in the summer and Schalke really could uh, establish themselves back up there again uh, as as uh, Bayern hunters um, alongside uh, some of the other sides. The, the fire seems to have gone a little bit out of Leipzig, but Leverkusen are, are on the increase again. They're holding on to their players. Um, and as, as you quite rightly pointed out, it is important to hold on to the good players, but you have to accept that you can't hold on to all of them. Well, I think the funny thing is that, you know, Richard and I are always, as you say, so upset about losing all these players. And, and now for once, we're, we're afraid we're going to lose our coach. 
because he's, yeah. he's going to be yeah. you know such a you know meteoric rise that he's going to be in demand kind of like uh, Nagelsmann you know right with all the the links that he has to other clubs and uh, you know Schalke is generally a revolving door of managers because they just keep sacking everybody and now we're afraid that we're going to lose a coach as well so hopefully we can hold on to him he's been he's been absolutely phenomenal and I'm, I'm glad you agree that he is uh, potentially the manager of the season certainly is uh, Hank has of course has done a brilliant job since he came back yeah. and uh, took Bayern to uh, well it might be the double um, but Tedesco has uh, turned Schalke into a force again well we uh, both Jack and I are, are ecstatic that you uh, were able to join us for this for this chat today we feel like we could talk all day with you but we know you got you got other things to do today um, before we go, where can uh, where can our listeners follow you on Twitter or in social media, and what do you have going on lately? Um, well, on uh, social media, um, I have a Twitter account, uh, Bundesliga underscore Phil, um, and uh, I, I tweet a bit more when games are uh, around rather than in the summer. It might go a little bit quiet, but there is that small competition that uh, that we're having over in Russia. Um, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I think I've heard um, of that. Yeah, yeah. Some teams are there, some not. But as an Englishman uh, by birth, I'm not going to I'm not going to shout loudly about not attending World Cups because we've had our own fair share of misery. Uh, it's a bit of a shame that the big clubs, uh, the big sides, and the big exciting sides aren't there. But uh, that is the nature of the beast. Not everybody can be there every time. Uh, there's that. That's that's my main the, my main uh, um, social media. I do have a, a Facebook page as well, um, which is also Phil Bundesliga Bonnie, um, but. Uh, yeah, there's not a lot of time for doing social media because there's a lot of time that I have to spend on researching and, and getting myself fit and ready for, for, for calling the games. Well, thank you, sir. It's been a, it's a great pleasure to chat with you. Um, you know, it's, keep commenting on the games because we love hearing, hearing your voice and hearing your calls uh, week in, week out. So uh, we look forward to hearing more from you and uh, maybe get you back on the show later on down the road. I'd love to do that. Maybe... Uh, before or after the start of the next season uh, just give me a ring anytime uh, send me a message and uh, we'll see what we can do but it's been a pleasure chatting with you both today greatly appreciated thank you All right, that was our game recap and then our conversation with Phil Bonney, Bundesliga commentator. Um, this was a this was a fun podcast, Jack. Uh, not only not only talking about you know securing the Champions League spot, getting second place, being ahead of Dortmund, but also uh, having Phil on the show. Uh, it was an, it was uh, a joy to chat with him. Yeah, absolute pleasure. We really appreciate him taking time out of his busy schedule to sit down with us and talk a little Bundesliga, a little Schalke action. Um, he's, in my opinion, he's, he's one of my favorite people to listen to. Um, not Absolutely. just not just specific to the Bundesliga, but just kind of in general. I really enjoy uh, his call. So that that was a treat for us to get a guest like him on. And uh, you know, uh, you know, hats off to him for once again joining us. I appreciate that. Make sure you all give him a follow. Um, and then, uh, as far as me, J M Mangan. J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. Beautiful, beautiful. And, you know, we also want to thank, you know, obviously the Royal Blues for the great season they've had so far. Still a game left to go. I uh, also want to thank Fox Soccer, Bundesliga, and obviously Phil Bonney for being on our show. Uh, I am your host, Richard Carmen, and you can find me on Twitter as well at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Jack, you have anything going on until the next week? No, I don't believe so. Spring has finally reached us in Chicagoland. 
Um, took long enough, but uh, I've just been enjoying the weather. It was 80 degrees yesterday, not a cloud in the sky, beautiful. So uh, nothing that you all need to keep an eye out for, but I'm probably just going to get outside and, and enjoy the rest of my weekend here. It's, it's a beautiful day. Well, we both live in Wheaton. We live in very different climates. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoes. <laughs>